0: Well, welcome to the Live to Shoot podcast. My name is Jeff Dottle, and I have been a licensed firearm dealer for the last 14 years. In this podcast, we talk about all things related to the Second Amendment, as well as we might talk about things uh, going on in everyday politics or I might throw in a sports story or two. So, welcome, welcome, welcome. Today is September 22nd, and I am here, you know, first off, let's talk about my Dallas Cowboys. one and one and a loss to the uh, Super Bowl champs, the Bucks, and then but a very close loss, and then a very close win against the San Diego Chargers. And I was impressed by that win. I think the Chargers are a pretty good team. That quarterback they have, Herbert, I think he's going to be something special. He can make some throws. And I think overall, I saw some good things, and we will see how things progress. But it was a good week for my Cowboys, and my Chiefs lost, close one. Uh, Horn Frogs didn't play, so we'll see how this upcoming week goes. I'm Going to the TCU SMU game this weekend. It's family weekend, so um, I'm going to go visit my son, go game with him, and just tour around a little bit on Saturday at, the, at TCU. So uh, this country, you know, this well, let me step back. This podcast is, is typically about the, uh, the Second Amendment of the Constitution. But, you know, I started off originally in this podcast and we went through some variety of different other topics around the Constitution, the Bill of Rights, and then, you know, it's kind of a foundation. And I want to revisit some of that. So because this country is out of control, totally out of control, and this goes beyond, you know, gun rights and, and all that with vaccine mandates. The border, all those things, that and the spending, we need to gain control. And but let's go back to, you know, and last, I'll step back again. Sorry, the last week was the seventeenth was Constitution Day, ratification the of the Constitution. And so let's go and talk about the Bill of Rights. The Bill of Rights were not part of the original Constitution; they came later. But let's talk about the, the what they are. Uh, Congress, the First Amendment is Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion, prohibition of the free exercise thereof, or abridging the freedom of speech, or of the press, or the right of the people to peacefully assemble, and the petition of the government for redress or grievances. The Second Amendment, a well-regulated militia being necessary to the security of, free, for a, for security of a free state, the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be. Friends, you keep that one always close to us. Uh, Amendment 3. no No soldier shall in time of peace be quartered in any house without the consent of the owner, nor in times of war but in manner to be prescribed by law. Amendment 4. The right of the people to be secure in their persons, house, papers, and effects against unreasonable search and seizures shall not be violated, and no warrants shall issue but upon probable cause supported by oath or affirmation and particularly describe the place to be searched and the persons or things to be seized. Then 5. No person shall be held to answer for a capital or otherwise infamous crime unless on a pres- pre- presentment or indictment of a grand jury except in cases arising in the land. Naval forces or in the militia, when in actual services, service in time of war or public danger, shall not any person be subject to the same offense to be twice but put in jeopardy of life or limb, nor shall be compelled in any criminal case to be a witness against himself, nor be deprived of life, liberty, or or property without due process of law, nor shall private property be taken for public use without just compensation. Amendment 6. In all criminal prosecutions, the accused shall enjoy. The the right to a speedy and public trial by any impartial jury of the state and district wherein the crime shall have been committed, which district shall have been previously ascertained by law, and to be informed of the nature and cause of the accusation, to be confronted with the witness against him, to have compulsory process for obtaining witnesses in his favor, and to have the assistance of counsel for his defense. And then the seventh, in suits of common law, where the value in controversy shall exceed twenty dollars, the right of trial by jury shall be preserved, and no fact tried by a jury shall be otherwise re examined in any court of the United States than according to the rules of the common law. Amendment eight excessive bail shall not be required, nor excessive fines imposed, nor cruel or unusual punishment be inflicted. Amendment nine the enumeration and constitution of certain rights shall not be construed to deny. deny or disparage others retained by the people. And the Tenth Amendment, which is what I'm going to talk about today, the powers not delegated to the United States by the Constitution nor prohibited by it to the states are reserved to the states, respectively, or to the people. So, what does the Second Amendment mean? Well, in legal terms, the Tenth Amendment, I mean, I'm sorry, what does the Tenth Amendment mean? In legal terms, the Tenth Amendment is what is known as a rule of construction it doesn't add anything to the Constitution or doesn't take anything away, but it serves a very important function. It tells us how to interpret the document. Think of it like a, a lens through which we evaluate everything else it does. The tendency makes two explicit fundamental constitutional principles that are implicit to the document itself. The federal government is only ex- to exercise these powers delegated to it and the people of the several states retain authority to exercise any power that is not delegated the federal government as long as the Constitution does not prohibit it. Thomas Jefferson said that the foundation of the Constitution is laid on this ground and if you apply these rules to anything and anything the federal government does or proposes to it, your foundation will remain strong. So basically the Tenth Amendment says it's not the Constitution, it's it's left to the states. And so the Constitution really uh, was designed for a very limited government and if you step back and look at today with Joe Biden saying, you know, you got to have mandates, vaccine mandates, limit who can fly. We are going to, you know, spend all this money, do all these things. And how's, how's the government gotten so big? Well, there's a variety of things that have been abused, in my opinion. And we're going to talk about some of those things. The first one is what's called the Commerce Clause. And in it, the federal government claims that Article 1, Section 8, Clause 3 of the Constitution gives the power to regulate and control everything from health care to what kind of light bulbs we can buy and just about anything in between. Justice Clarence Thomas has pointed out that under the court's expansive definition of the Commerce Clause, the federal government has no meaningful limits. So this Commerce Clause has really become a problem. The Commerce Clause was never meant to give the federal government power to regulate manufacturing, agricultural, labor laws, workplace safety, or a host of other activities. James Madison said, explained that why the federal government was empowered to regulate interstate commerce in a letter to J.C. Cabell dated February 13, twenty five. It was meant primary to ensure free trade between the states. But when the federal government regulated economic activity, that doesn't directly relate to trade across foreign border states. It is usurping its powers and violating the Constitution. So the Commerce Clause is one reason why we are in this pickle that we are in. Another clause is the Supremacy Clause. And the Supremacy Clause misunderstood and abused. Nearly every American will tell you, yes, that the federal government is supreme over everything and every one of them is wrong the problem is that they leave out the three most important words in the clause in pursuance thereof the federal government is only supreme when its actions are in pursuance of the constitution and since the constitution delegates very few powers to the general government it isn't supreme very often the constitution clearly limits federal supremacy to those objects falling within the general government government's delegated powers and not one iota beyond them. When the federal government takes an action outside of the delegated, uh, outside of its delegate, it is, as Alexander Hamilton said, void. Necessary and proper clause. This is another one. Article One, Section B, Clause 18 says the necessary and proper clause is often called the elastic clause or the sweeping clause because many people believe it gives the federal government the power to do just about anything. However, the Necessary and Proper Clause doesn't actually delegate any power at all. It's what's known as a recital. As Constitutional scholar Bob Natanson put it, a recital passage in a legal document that has no substantive legal effect but serves to inform the reader of assumptions of fact beyond the document. In a nutshell, the Necessary and Proper Clause doesn't add anything to the authority already delegated to Congress. It does not allow for the creation of new powers, the clause simply reaffirms that the federal government possesses some flexibility to exercise the enumerated powers already delegated. And my trash people are here, so you're probably hearing those outside as well. The last clause is the General Welfare Clause, Article 1, Section 8 Clause 1 of the Constitution. The General Welfare Clause is often referred to as the taxing and spending cause clause because it's expansive use today. Many uh, people claim it gives the feds the authority to do anything imaginable as long as it promotes the general welfare. To take the clause as a general grant of power for the federal government to do anything that promotes the general welfare would, as Madison put it, would be a metamorphosis of the Constitution into a character which there is a host of proofs was not contemplated by its creator. And I should note that I'm getting most of this information from the, the 10th Amendment Center, which is uh, 10thamendmentscenter.com. So just FYI on where I'm getting that. So what can we do about it? Well, there's a very important con uh, concept uh, referred to as nullification. And that is one of the things that we are starting to see a little bit more today. And that is the state grabbing and taking back their powers and ignoring what the federal government uh, has put in place. So you've seen some of these places such put in their Second Amendment sanctuary, states, counties, cities, those types of things saying, hey, we are not going to enforce anything that we deem to be unconstitutional is what a lot of these are doing. The mandates that different states have put in around masks saying, hey, we are saying that the masks any mask mandates are not appropriate or legal within the state of Florida, the state of Texas, those types of things. So they're trying to they're they're trying to control some of the power that the federal government is trying to over put up over all of us. So and when you get these vaccine mandates that are coming down from Joe Biden saying that you have to get these the shot, this is where nullification is going to become important. So what is nullification? Thomas Jefferson and James Madison first formalized principle of nullifications not- in Kentucky and Virginia Resolution of 79- 1798. While Je- Jefferson called it the rightful remedy to federal overreach, Madison put it a different way, saying, a state is duty-bound to interpose, to arrest the progress of the evil. So nullification, as as its succinct definition, is any act or set of acts which has it as its result a particular law being rendered legally null and void or unenforceable in practice. Madison gives us a blueprint on how to do this in the Federalist 46. He suggests four steps to take on, take on counteract, and stop federal programs, whether warrantable, unwarrantable, the most significant being the corp- being refusal to cooperate with officers of the union. The federal government involves itself in all aspects of life, but depends on state assistance to do almost everything. If states refuse to help it, it, becomes nearly impossible for the feds to enforce their laws or implement their programs. We can use this strategy to undermine and nullify the, all kinds of federal acts in practice from warrantless spying to gun control to other prohibitions, including vaccine mandates. Now, the government has gotten a little sneaky, and not that they're even going around the states, and they're going down to the corporate level, and they're saying, hey, Costco— do this. So they're starting to trying to control us by saying where we can shop, where we can fly, where we can eat, what where we can go see movies, those type of things. But we need to continue to lean on our states to Prohibit this government overreach that we're seeing today because it is becoming dangerous. We are in a regime, as I have continued to say. Biden is a tyrannical regime, and they're trying to exert their control over us in every aspect of their life. And they do not have those those controls, the ability via the Constitution. It is extreme overreach of their powers, and we have to put an end to it today. Lean on your states lean on your own personal powers but do not uh, concede to their powers. So I implore you that this is important. This is what the Tenth Amendment is about and that is why we have to continue to hold on to our Constitution and protect it because it is there to protect us. I appreciate you listening. Today is going to be a little longer one than usual but I appreciate your patience and we will continue to talk about what's going on in this world and how we need to uh, protect our rights and how we need to fight back. I appreciate you listening. Subscribe to this podcast if you're not. Forward it to others, and let's get involved. Thank you.